Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome, welcome to an episode all about two very, very confusing words. We are going to talk about phonological awareness and phonemic awareness. In addition to that, we're also going to talk a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit about orthographic awareness and morphological awareness, um, because to me, they all kind of go hand in hand, and in my mind are kind of building blocks as to first we do this, then we do this, and then we do that. So these two words are so commonly used interchangeably. And while they're similar, while they're related, while one kind of fits into the other, they are different. So I wanna just begin by kind of talking about some examples and some definitions of each of these words. Let's start first with phonemic awareness. And I, I wanna start there because I feel like that is what we hear and use and see out there in the world so, so much. Of these terms, one is a very broad, broad term where the other is very narrow and very specific. And so I'm gonna start with the narrow and specific and then kind of broaden as we go. So phonemic awareness is what I feel we hear so much more often than phonological awareness. And really, I think it should be the opposite. I think we should hear more about phonological than we do phonemic awareness. But let's start there with a definition. Phonemic awareness is really just simply activities that ask children to isolate or to produce a sound. For example, if I am working on letters and sounds with my kindergartners, or if I'm reviewing something with some first graders, and I ask, could anybody tell me the first sound that you hear in bug? And they're thinking about only one sound. They're isolating that, and they might tell me the b sound. I might ask, can anybody tell me the ending sound in bug? That would be an example of an activity that is asking students to use their phonemic awareness to isolate or to produce a sound within a word. So you can see it's very, very specific. One thing, one skill, very narrow, yet that term gets used so often. Really, I think many people just misunderstand or use those as synonyms, which I think is very common in really the world in general. We hear a couple things, we know they're related to each other, and so we just use them synonymously, which really phonological awareness is a broad term that covers a lot of skills. So really, phonological awareness is just any activity that really requires students to analyze the structure of the word, the sounds that they're hearing, those phonemes that they're hearing within a word. 
Some examples of this might be giving your students three words and asking them to tell you which words have the same beginning sound, which words have the same ending sounds, which two words rhyme. Um, give them a word and ask them to produce a rhyming word. Giving them a word and asking them to come up with a word that has the same beginning sound or the same ending sound. So all of those really require students to think about what are those sounds or what am I trying to duplicate? What is the same? What's different? You're really thinking about the structure of that word. So I hope maybe you'll understand after hearing those two, one is just isolating and producing a sound. That's phonemic awareness. Phonological awareness is that big, big umbrella that all of those activities, including isolating and producing sounds, that big umbrella that all of those things just fall under. Now, I am about to get really logical or really mathematical here. And forgive me if your brain doesn't work like mine, okay? But I feel like I need to share it for those people who do think a little bit like me, okay? So I kind of relate phonological awareness and phonemic awareness to like the rectangle and square in math. So if you think back to like shape hierarchy, maybe this is just because I taught fifth grade for too many years. I think of, you know, a square is a rectangle. Technically, it meets all the characteristics of being a rectangle. But a rectangle cannot ever be a square. And it can't be a square because it doesn't have equal sides, four equal sides. It only has two and two equal sides. So a square can be a rectangle, but a rectangle cannot be a square. So if you're following that logic or you're thinking and that, that all makes sense to you, I think the same about the phonological awareness and the phonemic awareness. The phonemic awareness is like the rectangle. It's so narrow, it's so specific, and the other, the phonological awareness can also be phonemic awareness, but phonemic awareness doesn't ever get to do the things that phonological awareness does like the square. You know, the square is, it can do it all. It can be a rectangle, it can be a square. Your phonological awareness can be phonemic awareness, but mostly, it has all these other jobs, all these other things that it can do to be phonological awareness. Now, I hope that makes sense. If it didn't, I'm sorry. Just know that phonological awareness is the big umbrella that has the rhyming, the segmenting, the blending, the isolating, the producing sounds. It has it all. Where only phonemic awareness has isolating and producing sounds. I feel like I just rambled on for a long time about phonological awareness and phonemic awareness. And we hear those terms all the time. Sometimes they make sense. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes we understand what it's talking about. Sometimes we don't. But why is it so important? Why is it something that we need to make sure kids have and understand? And for a while, I, I mean, obviously I get it. I understand. But Whenever I read this quote, and I'm, I'm going to be really honest, this came from the book, The Complete Learning Disabilities Handbook. And I had this book in college. And, you know, like, 
you're a poor college kid. Actually, I was like a poor college mom. And every semester it was like, I needed to sell those books to buy the next semester's books. No matter how good it was, no matter how much I needed it or loved it, I really needed that money. And this was a book that I was able to trade in and get a decent chunk of money for. So I sold it off, okay? Well, years later, whenever then I'm actually teaching and I don't know anything, I was like, man, I really wish I had that book from college. And I was friends on Facebook with the professor who taught that class. And so I messaged him and asked, I'm like, I don't be mad at me, but I sold your book. But now that I'm teaching, I wish I had your book. What was the title of it? And so he told me I reordered it. So long story short, this book is so great. I bought it twice. Okay. So in this book, it tells the importance of why this phonological awareness and phonemic awareness piece is so important. According to this book, phonological awareness is more highly correlated to the process of learning to read than intelligence, reading readiness, or listening comprehension. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, hmm, intelligence is pretty important. Just general reading readiness is pretty important. And you know what? Listening comprehension plays a huge role in just learning and academics and doing school well. All of those three things seem pretty important to me. And if you're telling me that phonemic awareness and phonological awareness is more important or more correlated to success in reading than all of those three things, then by God, I think we need to be focusing on it. I think we need to be helping our students master some of those skills. And for some of our students with, say, dyslexia or other specific learning disabilities, they're lacking a lot of those phonological awareness skills. And through research-based instruction and good programs, a lot of times we can help students improve their ability to master some of those phonological awareness skills or to at least improve and become a little better at some of those things. I think it's important to acknowledge too that these things develop gradually. And whether we're talking about just your average learner who is first learning to rhyme words and say words with the same beginning sound and, and that kind of thing, that's gradual whether that's at kindergarten or pre-K or we have somebody who's really struggling and they're still in first or second grade and unable to do those things. It's a gradual process and it's our job to kind of meet our students where they are and then work from there to develop those skills so that gradually they're growing and able to do more and more things. All of these skills and tasks are so important because they lay the groundwork for being independent and confident readers and spellers. Now, I told you in the first episode that these two things, reading and spelling or decoding and encoding, are so heavily tied together. And the skills that you need for one are also skills that you need for the other. And while decoding is important, this series is all about encoding. It's all about spelling. 
And so I think this phonological awareness concept is extremely important as we're talking about spelling because that lays the groundwork, that lays the foundation for being able to spell and begin to understand what you do when you're spelling words. So if you remember at the beginning of the episode, I told you we were also going to talk about orthographic awareness and morphological awareness. I want you to think about these three things as kind of three steps. Now, in a perfect world, it's not really steps. Some of these kind of overlap. Maybe it's more like a spectrum, but I really like to think of it as steps because our students first have to master step one before we can really start throwing step two at them and before we really start throwing step three at them. So step number one is that phonological awareness, what we've been talking and talking and talking about, the phonological awareness, being able to think about what phonemes are we hearing in words, okay? And then we move on to orthographic awareness, where we start putting some of those graphemes, the written part of the the phonemes that we've previously heard. And morphological awareness is just the understanding of endings that are on words, Greek and Latin roots, that kind of thing that really is more advanced. So I want you to think about if we were spelling on a spelling test or we were practicing in a small group, spelling the word bones, okay? B-O-N-E-S, bones. We're gonna walk through those three steps and like what you as a teacher are doing or what your kids are doing, what you're expecting of them in each of these stages, okay? So in the phonological awareness step, we're really just thinking about, well, what sounds do you hear in the word bones? Well, I hear a b, o, n, and it also feels like there should be a s bones at the end. Okay, so it felt like there were four sounds in that word, b, owns. I have just completed step one. I thought about the sounds that were in the word. I now know there are four sounds and I have to move on to step two, which is that orthographic awareness. Orthographic awareness means that now I have to start thinking about those 250 graphemes. Which ones do I need? Which ones do I know currently? What am I going to do to be able to make those phonemes that I said match what I'm going to write? So orthographic awareness is now simply saying, okay, B, what letter says B and writing that down? Oh, oh, how do I say, oh, there are so many ways. Well, I know that I could say, oh, consonant E. And for like my blends and diagraphs kids, that's really the only O sound that they would know. And that's okay. So for them, they might be thinking, okay, I'm gonna write B, B, O, okay, I know that's gonna be an O, and then I have to have another letter, but I know there's gonna be an E at the end. So we have B, O, B, O, N, I need an N. So they're gonna put the N. All of that is orthographic awareness. We're matching those phonemes to graphemes. Now, we haven't really talked about that S at the end. That's step three. Morphological awareness includes 
all of the endings that might be on words like S and ED and ING. It also includes those Greek and Latin roots for maybe more advanced, more higher level students. So it's all of the other chunks of words that we just expect kids over time to memorize or to know or to study. So that is step three. Now, for some words, we never even make it to morphological awareness. That's not even important because it doesn't have an ending or it doesn't have a Greek or Latin root. But all of our words, when we're spelling, go through those first two steps. We have to be able to teach and help and support our students through that phonological stage where they're thinking about those sounds into the orthographic stage or the orthographic awareness where now we're starting to match those phonemes to graphemes. For me, I really try to slow down that process. Take time to say and count those sounds, help them, support them, guide them as much as possible so that then they can start matching some of those graphemes strategically choosing words that they're able um, phonetically, they know the graphemes that match, that will help them. Now, there are words, if we're doing a free write or we're writing about a specific topic, there may be words that come up that they don't know. And they have to use what they do know. We would call that like kind of inventive spelling, use what you know. And your teacher's probably gonna be able to figure it out. But use what you know to spell the words that you need. But for practice, for you know, a guided small group lesson, give them words where they have the ability to spiral review those phonemes and graphemes that they know and set them up for success with a strategic list of words. Are you feeling overwhelmed yet? <laughs> I feel like we have so many big terms so many things that are just overwhelming, honestly. And that is what leads to our confusion, to be perfectly honest. It's too many big fancy terms, when in my mind, the concept is simple. Just because it sounds simple, doesn't mean that it actually is simple to teach and to do and to implement. I know that. But I do want you to kind of simplify your thinking and realize that spelling is honestly a two or three step process, depending on kind of where your kids are developmentally or where they are grade level wise. But really, we need to be able to determine the phonemes within a word. We need to be able to match those phonemes to graphemes. And in the event that there's an ending or a Greek or Latin root or some type of a compound word, something, we need to be able to kind of put those other pieces into our word that we're spelling. So in general, two or maybe three steps and our students will be able to spell words that are kind of appropriate to the sequence that they know as far as graphemes. What graphemes do they know? Can they match some of the phonemes when it's time to really spell a word? Now, like I said, I know it's overwhelming. I know we have a lot of big fancy words for simple ideas. And I want you to know that every single time I do a podcast episode, I also do a blog post. And in this particular blog post, 
I have the definitions and I have some examples for you. So that blog post will be linked directly in the show notes so that you can find that exact blog post. But if ever you're like, man, I really, I need a visual for this, or I need to see this in writing, or I wish there was something that I could print or keep or share with a friend or, or whatever, always know that there's a blog post out there somewhere, um, hopefully linked in the show notes to make it quick and easy for you. Um, but it's out there for you to have and to review so you have a reference for later. So with that being said, I will let you go. And in our next episode, we are going to talk about blending and segmenting words. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.